Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. But I'm really, um, I'm really actually quite excited about this morning. Um, I, I wasn't particularly excited about this morning when I was given this topic, but as I've got into sort of preparing it and praying and and thinking, I've just become more excited about what it is uh, that we have at our disposal. And, um, and so I'm excited about this morning, and I pray that something of what I say this morning will um, resonate with you, will, will just give you, I suppose, the strength, the determination, the hope um, to go out from this place and to do life differently, um, and to, to just bring something of Jesus into every bit of life that you touch, every bit of uh, life that you touch, whether that be in your work, whether that be at home, whether that be at the school gate, wherever it is. Because, do you know what? I'm really excited about this. But this book (laughs) is flipping incredible. And what's contained in it is remarkable. And we're going to just have a look at, at that this morning. So this morning, I have the pleasure to talk about uh, the sword of the spirit. So we, this is the, the last bit of our armory, really, in our Get Kitted Out series. Um, and it's the only bit of, sorry, hair issues, the only bit of our armory that we have to defend ourselves with. Okay? The rest of what we've talked about has been about protection. It's been a, a protective uh, armory. And this sword of the spirit... Uh, is the only thing that we have actually in our kit to protect ourselves with, which is why it's so exciting to be talking about this. Now, I'm not big on battles. I'm not big on battle speak. It's not me. I don't, I don't view God in that way particularly either. My favorite song is not Lion of Judah, um, where we sing, he fights my battles and does stuff and that kind of thing. And Hannah and Jim know that and we laugh about that because I find I, it doesn't resonate with me as to who God is and who Jesus is. But do you know what? We are in a battle and um, that battle is a spiritual one. And so we're going to explore a little bit today what this word of God means for us in the midst of that battle. Can we have the next slide? Let's read together <clears throat> Ephesians 6. Verses 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. 
Pray also for me, that's Paul, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The context into which Paul is writing is a really confused context. Ephesus, at the time, was an incredibly confused place. And whilst Christianity was spreading, and whilst uh, it was really exciting on, on many levels what was happening, the good news of Jesus, the fact that Jesus had died, the fact that Jesus had taken the, the blame for us, the good news that meant that we could live life in all its fullness, was spreading. But at the same time, in Ephesus, there was an incredible amount of other stuff going on. And that other stuff involved prostitution. That other stuff involved child, involved child sexual exploitation. That other stuff involved really weird spiritual practices and magic. And, um, and people kind of like, um, I mean, I like dancing, but they were dancing um, in order to get spiritual knowledge and, uh, and divine inspiration and taking drugs and that sort of thing. And it was all just a bit weird. And, and, and for people who were seeking the truth, it was very hard to find anything substantive in that town, in that city at that time. And that's the context into which Paul is writing. And you can imagine, Paul's in prison. He must have been desperate, absolutely desperate for the Christians, those that have heard, those that have, are spreading that good news, those that are there in that city, he must have been desperate for them to hold firm and to not be swayed by some of this other weird and wonderful stuff that was going on at the time in the city. And so you get an idea then of why he's writing with such strength, don't you? And why he's writing with such determination, I suppose, and this idea of the armor of God, how important that actually is, given the context that he's writing into. And do you know what? It's not that much different to what we live in today, is it? We, we don't always know what truth is today. There's a lot of fake news out there, and it's easy to believe stuff that doesn't have a particular substantive base. And we get kind of like carried away on stuff. And sometimes you think, what do I believe? What's, what's the truth in this situation? And so the context for us isn't all that different in many ways. There are many competing ideologies, many competing philosophies, many competing theological ideas around what this is, what we believe in, who Jesus was, and actually what life's all about. And so we live in that, in that now, in the same way that as when Paul was writing, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of fear. So we've talked up until now about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of... Oh, very good. And the helmet of... Very good. So now um, we're on to the sword of the spirit. So I thought um, that what we'd look at today, because as I said to you, I'm not very um, battly. I, I've got three girls. We didn't do a lot of fighting with, you know, implements, you know, guns and things. I, I quite liked it when I was a kid. I quite liked playing with those cap guns and things like that and shooting my brothers. That was quite fun. But we, we didn't do a lot of that. So I thought I would find out 
Um, what a good set of sword fighting skills. Well, you know, what do you need in order to be a good sword fighter? So this morning, you're all going to learn. Are you excited? You're all going to learn what you need in order to be a great sword fighter. Okay? So can we have the next slide, Bill? Thank you. Okay. So in order to be a good sword fighter, you will be interested to note that sword fighters do not typically do well in mud, um, in uh, marshy areas, in ice, or in deep snow. It's not great for sword fighting if you're stuck in the mud. Secondly, battlefields require acting as part of a team. Can we have the next slide, Bill? So, we need each other in a sword fight, okay? It's not great to be on your own. You will depend on the rest of your team in order for survival in a, in a battle, in a sword fight. To act rashly alone mean, means likely death. That's not great. Um, of you or your comrades. Thirdly, next slide. Oh, good, excellent. Sorry, I was so quick, I didn't see it move. <laughs> you need to draw your sword before you engage. Your sword is of minimal value stuck in its sheath, okay? So you need to draw your sword before engagement. Good point. Fourthly, relax. Relax. Because the natural, obviously, if, if you're in a battle and you're in a fight with someone, your natural um, sort of uh, disposition may well be panic, mightn't it? I mean, uh, I guess it would be for me if I was in that situation. However, if you fight in a frazzled state of mind, uh, you cannot act with speed, with control, and, and um, mental clarity, which can be fatal. So we don't want that. But with practice, you will learn to achieve a state of calm, to concentrate in the midst of danger. Okay? So, relax. Fifthly, balance. Keep your body balanced at all times. It's really important that your footing is solid, that you have solid footing in a, in a battle. Okay? We don't want to be in mud. We don't want to be stuck in the mud. But equally, we need to keep our body in balance. We need good core strength, something I don't have. <laughs> but we do need good core strength, and we need our footing to be solid. Fifth, uh, sixthly, have a strong defense. Missing just one block can be fatal, so protect yourself well. Maintain your sword in a position that runs from the bottom of your torso to the top of your head. I could demonstrate with a saxophone, <laughs> okay? This is what you want to aim at. <laughs> I know, it is scary. <laughs> Seventhly, have your weapon ready. Generally, the sword should be extended a comfortable distance away from your body and towards your opponent's throat or eye. You heard it here first. I'm not advocating this, by the way. Okay, this is to illustrate a point. Um, this is referred to as putting him on point, and it serves as a warning to your opponent. It will help you ward off your opponent, okay? And lastly, remain calm and confident if you find yourself in a sword battle. Remain calm and confident. Because actually, your poise can decide a fight as surely as the sword. So the way you present yourself, the way you go into battle, your confidence, your poise 
will decide it just as much as your, perhaps your sword skills and your strategy. If you're nervous and frightened, then the enemy may take advantage in that moment. Um, and a lack of confidence, an attempt to goad you into making a bad move. And I love this. Cool warriors tend to make others wary, unsettled, and ideally fearful. So we're aiming at being cool warriors, okay, this morning. That's what we're aiming at, is being cool warriors. The Roman soldiers of the day would have been a very familiar sight around Ephesus, which is another reason why I believe Paul uses this imagery. They would have been a really familiar sight, but not a positive sight. They were there to bring about fear, to abuse, any sign of any kind of you know, sort of rebellion, and they'd be on it, and they'd be beating people, and they were just aggressive. They were abusers of power, uh, and, and, it, and it really wasn't great. So for Paul, writing into that context again, this imagery would have been very familiar to the, to the church. But what he's doing, and what I think is really exciting, is he talks about the armor of God, is he's turning it on its head. He's turning it on its head, and that's what we're going to go on and look at a little bit this morning. So fear and confusion were the order of the day, and very often still is the order of the day. And the quest was for truth. People were searching for truth. And the encouragement for Paul was to begin to get to grips with what they had at their disposal, what these Christians had at their disposal. The powerful word of God so the Word of God, let's talk a little bit about the Word of God. Okay, so the Word of God, the, the word used, I'm going to go a little bit Greek on you here. The word used is rhema, and that word means living voice or God-spoken words. It's a living voice, a living word. Just think about that for a minute. The Word of God, living voice, spoken word. And Paul's talking about this, the word of God, living voice, spoken word, spoken as we know, because it says in here that all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Righteousness, just, righteousness means being right with God, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a purpose to it. There's a purpose to it. So we need to get into this and understand what this is about and understand what we have at our disposal in order that we're equipped for every good work. Now, you might expect me to hit on that point, but I think it's a really important point. So without the Spirit of God, these words are potentially just a story, aren't they? They're just kind of you know, not anointed, they're not anything, but God's Spirit anoints them and causes them to be relevant to us today, causes them to actually meet our need, causes these words to transform lives and make a difference into our life and to in other people's lives, causes us, causes us 
to be trained and to be able to live lives that are honoring to God, live lives that actually uh, continue the story of the good news, that continue the story of salvation that, that God has written. This book is essentially a story of salvation right from the very beginning. It's a story of God's relationship with us, and it's continuing, it's ongoing in our lives today. The word of God is truth. And truth is a commodity that is in short supply often. What is truth? What can we believe? What can we believe? We don't always know. But Paul was so confident in this truth contained in the word of God. He so desperately wanted the people to get it as well. Hence he calls the sword of the spirit the word of God. The one thing we have to defend ourselves with is the, is the word of God, the living word of God. So what are the key things in this God-breathed word that, that, that we're taught? What are the things that this tells us about ourselves, about our relationship with God, and about how we treat others? Okay, so it tells us that sin, the wrong stuff, has separated us from God, but Jesus repaired that relationship, and we're now able to be in relationship with God. So we are no longer separated from God. It tells us that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, life in all its fullness. That's what's written in these words, this God-breathed living word. That's what's written about your life and about my life and about each and every person that we come into contact with every single day. That we will live life in all its fullness in relationship with Jesus. It tells us to love God and to love our neighbor. It tells us, love your enemies. That can be tough. It tells us that the church is the bride of Christ. You and I, this church gathered here, this church in this nation, we put a smile on God's face. That's incredible, isn't it? Those of you that have got married, as your wife, potential prospective wife, walks down the aisle, and you're looking back at her, and she's flowing in beautifully, and you're smiling, that's what you do, isn't it? It's a beautiful moment. We did that. Paul then said his vows. And all I could smell was beer. So I think he was a little bit, had to have a little bit of help to smile at me as I came down the aisle, but it's fine. God is good. Married 27 years. <laughs> so we are the bride of Christ. It's incredible, isn't it? My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient and made perfect in our weakness. Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh, doesn't it? The thorn in his flesh, the thing that just bothered him day in, day out, that he had to submit to God day in, day out. And God says, my grace is sufficient. It meets you in your weakness. Bring it to God every single day. Jesus said again, remain in me and I will remain in you in John 15 when he talks about the vine and the branches. The good news is we're not doing this on our own. 
We're not doing this on our own. Remain in me and I will remain in you. He wants to be part of this with us. That's so exciting. We're not doing this on our own. Remain in me and I will remain in you. He promises that. Grab it. Seriously, it's tough at times. And Jesus has overcome the darkness. He's overcome the dark spiritual forces, the dark powers that rule and reign and that would seek to destroy and would seek to take us down. He's overcome all of that. So we can be living in the knowledge that that is done. We don't need to fear. Isn't that brilliant? That is brilliant. And do you know what? This is all contained in here. And that is a ridiculous, ridiculous whistle-stop tour of, what, of some of the amazing things contained in this Word of God, in this living Word of God, in this tool that we have at our disposal, this sword that we have to fight with. It's incredible. Part of what I do these days is I am an executive coach. Dooch, you know. Uh, that doesn't mean that I drive a coach, you know, a number five National Express between here and London um, and only take executives on my coach. It doesn't mean that. It means that I work in uh, businesses and organisations potentially or with people to help them um, overcome some of the perhaps uh, lack of confidence that they have or when they're trying to sort of move on in life and, you know, they've got stuff going on. And we talk in coaching about the saboteur. The saboteur is the voice that sits on your shoulder and tells you you can't. The saboteur is the voice that sits on your shoulder and tells you you're rubbish. The saboteur is, the, is those lies that when you try and do something or where you think, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone here, it's the lies that you then hear in your head that hold you back. Yeah? That's the saboteur. Anyone here never, ever had that happen to them? Please put your hands up. No, very interesting, isn't it? So within coaching, one of the things we do is help people to, to, to identify the saboteur, if you like, to identify what it is that is holding them back and identify that thing and then work through that, okay, to build confidence, to move forward. And there's a sort of accountability in that as well. And there's that sort of walking uh, side by side, the coach alongside the person, to help them to, to, to get to that point where the saboteur isn't stopping them. And do you know what? God doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want that saboteur sat on our shoulder telling us we can't and we shouldn't and we won't and we're rubbish and we're ugly and we're fat and, and you know, we're, we're just useless. That is not what he created us for. And that's all contained in here. That's all contained in here. It's written. It's there. So that's just a snapshot, snapshot, snap, snapshot, snapshot of what is contained within the Word of God. All right. I hope that inspires you to go off and to do a bit more digging, actually. And on the next lot of slides that are going to come up in a little while, there are verses that I'm not going to read out, but you might want to just make a note of them and go home and meditate, pray, let God speak to you. Through this living word, his rhema voice, speak to you, speak into your life, 
and help you to overcome some of the stuff that undoubtedly you are all living with and that you're, you know, some of the lies, some of the rubbish that gets thrown at you day in, day out. Uh, you might want to just make a note of those, and I would encourage you to do that, and I'll be looking to see who's got their pens out, and you might even get a prize. But, no, I won't really. But um, it, it'll be on the podcast, and you can listen back as well. But there will be verses there. I'm just giving you a little warning of that. So uh, a small uh, snapshot, I can't say that word today, of what's in there. So the application of all this, what, what's all this about then? Why are we talking about sword fighting skills? Why are we talking about the word of God in these terms? How do we use this sword of the spirit, this word of God? How do we use it in our lives? Well, I felt there was something in those sword fighting skills that we talked about earlier that were actually really useful as we think about how we uh, stand and how we uh, use this word of God in our lives. So we have the next slide up, Bill. Thank you. Avoid mud, snow, marshy areas, and ice. In other words, be wise about some of the choices that you make. Read the Bible and make good choices in life. Perhaps don't allow yourself to get into situations that might cause you to compromise or might cause you to get stuck. So you're stuck in the mud, you're surrounded by goo, you don't quite know what to do next. Instead, get your head into the word of God and know what it is you've got at your disposal. So avoid mud. Secondly, the battle that we're in is a spiritual battle. And we will do far better as part of a team. Far better. We're not meant to do this thing alone. We're not meant to battle on our own. When um, Some of you will know that we um, are foster carers, and we haven't done it for a little while, but we had a very difficult, particularly difficult young person come and live with us. And... Um, uh, it was just really, really hard. I, can't, I actually can't describe to you how she made me feel. It was, it was very, very difficult. And um, there was just because we couldn't connect with her on any level. She was very, very damaged. I was utterly exhausted, and I felt like a failure, because when you go into fostering, you don't go into it to not make a difference and to not you know, help the child. Um, you, you sort of think, oh, it's all going to be lovely. They're going to love being part of our family, and it's all going to be sweet, and you know, they're going to just transform overnight. And of course, it doesn't really work like that. Um, so I, was, I felt like a complete failure. I actually couldn't bear to be in my own home because she was there, and I used to find it really difficult coming home. I was very angry, I felt really vulnerable, and um, because of her and her, the way that she was with me. Um, and I took on all her feelings as well, and I went to see a clinical psychologist and she said, you're suffering from secondary trauma, which is something that can happen when you're, when you're sort of involved with very traumatized children. You can actually take on their feelings physically in, in your body as well. So what I was feeling was what she was projecting onto me. It was, it was all very strange. And um, w one night, we couldn't get to our connect group. And um, we rang, we texted and said, we, we're not going to be there. She's kicking off. It's horrible. We, we can't. And they rang. And um, Daphne rang. And she prayed with us on the phone, which was absolutely amazing. So in the midst of what was really dark, really difficult, 
us feeling like we don't know what on earth we're doing here. What, what, why are we even you know, doing this thing? Why is this child in our home wrecking our lovely family setup kind of thing? Um, the Connect group just rang, and Daphne prayed over the phone with me at that time and, and with Paul. And do you know what? It was incredible. It was just, it didn't, I can't tell you that it, you know, everything was transformed. She became a Christian, and, you know, God just, bam, came and filled her with his spirit, and it was all great, because it really, really wasn't. And actually, in the end, the, the placement had to end. We had to end the placement, because our kids were saying, we can't do this anymore. It was, you know, it's having a big impact on our family. But in that moment, in that moment of darkness, in that moment of trauma, in that moment of just like, whoa, I just, this is just horrible, being prayed for like that, and knowing that our connect group were praying for us, because we couldn't be there with them, was just a little ray of hope. And it was truth. It, it was bringing truth into a situation that uh, we weren't sure what the truth was anymore. Because it was, you know, when, when things just get so muddled and confused and you think, well, I'm, I'm doing this and it's not working and I can't understand. But it just brought a sort of arrow of truth into, um, into that dark, dark time. We're in this together. We're in this together. And the armor of God, if you notice, doesn't have anything to protect our backs, does it? Uh, I read in some places that because God protects our backs, and no doubt he does. But do you know what? I think it's also really important that we look out for each other as well, that we've got each other's backs. And as a community uh, in this place that are trying to make a difference, that are trying to reach out to other people, that have got lives going on that are tough, and you know, there's lots of difficult situations, let's have each other's backs. Uh, in this time, because otherwise it gets really confusing and we end up in fear and we don't know what the truth is anymore. So let's have each other's backs um, in that time as part of our armor. The third thing we can learn from the sword skills uh, school that we've attended this morning is draw your sword before you engage. So how many of you have got Bibles on the shelf or be beside your bed that rarely get opened, that are just sort of collecting dust, or on the bookshelf, making you look really intellectual, <laughs> yeah? All different versions. <laughs> I've got 78 different translations of the Bible. I've even got the Greek interlinear Bible. I am really intelligent. It's no good on the shelf. It's really no good on the shelf. So draw your sword before you engage. We have to engage in this life every single day. And some of that is a battle. So draw your sword, get your head into the word of God and understand what you've got at your disposal. I've even got an app on my phone. Anyone else here got a Bible app on their phone? Yeah. How many people use their Bible app on their phone? Okay, that's not bad. I've got a Bible app on my phone and in the mornings it says, it's time for your daily Bible reading at quarter past seven every morning. And every morning I ignore it. Isn't that just so ridiculous? It's so easy for me to read my Bible. It couldn't be easier. But I still don't always do it as much as I could. Yeah? And I'm still not always drawing my sword ready to engage uh, in what's going on. So getting the truths and the God of God, the God-breathed truths, the spirit-filled word of God into our heads, into our hearts, and into our mouths is going to be far more effective, and it's going to protect our minds, it's going to protect our hearts when trouble comes. Because trouble will come. Life isn't, we're not promised uh, an, an easy journey, 
But if we can get it into our heads, get it into our hearts, and get it on the tips of our tongues, it's going to protect us when those difficulties come. Neil spoke last week about the helmet of salvation and how the helmet is protective. We need to protect our minds. We need to protect our minds. This is the God-breathed living word. What better thing to protect it with than this? I love that program, Would I Lie to You? Anyone else here like the program, Would I Lie to You? Yeah, Pippa likes the program, excellent. Um, and I love the way that Lee Mack and, what's his name? David Mitchell. Um, you know, they just come back so fast, don't they? They've got their one-liners and they're just on it and they just, they just come back. And I, I'm not like that. I can't, I don't have comebacks like that at all. Um, but I, I, I really enjoy the program and I, I love sort of like, you know, seeing the way that they operate and I just think, wow, it's incredible. I've asked two people, I've got two volunteers, um, uh, would you like to come up now, actually? That would be great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, we've got our own little comedy store here today, boys and girls. So, yes, we have. So, um, I've asked Joe and Alex um, if they would uh, just... Um, Oh, you need a microphone, don't you? Okay. But I'm not speaking to here like this. You can if you like. <laughs> that would be a bit weird, but you I'm can. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. So, um, Alex. Can you go first? <laughs> yes. Go on, Alex. Okay. I saw a sign in a window the other day saying, television for sale, one pound. Volume stuck on full. I thought, I can't turn that down. But, um... <laughs> in an accent, Joe, in an accent. And I once said to a Scotsman, did you, have a, did you ever have spots as a child? And he went, ach, me. <laughs> Thank you. Give them a round of applause. They've done very well. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to ask you, actually. Sorry, before you go. Okay, brilliant. So, I asked them to remember a one-liner. Just to... Re oh. <laughs> How hard was that for you, remembering that, that, that joke? <coughs> uh, I've got sort of like a photographic memory. Oh, so it's quite easy. So Beth, Beth knew I was given that joke, and I read it and put it in my pocket. She said, but well, you've learned it already, and I said, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, that hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> can always trust your wife, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you, Alex. How hard was that for you, Joe? I don't have a photographic memory, and I've been sat there reading it, and I'd be more worried about getting it wrong for you, Joe. Yes. <laughs> so um, it was quite hard, actually, but because it was funny, it yeah. was going around in my head, and I remembered it, okay. and I shall never ach, me forget it. <laughs> Very good. Okay, a, a silly thing to illustrate a point, that actually learning lines, learning words, learning, you know, a, a one-liner, a comeback is difficult. It can be tough to do it. It can take hard work, unless you're Alex and you've got a photographic memory and you can read and just go, yep, yeah, boom, that's there. But the point is that actually it, if we have to... If we have to read and practice and read and practice and read and practice, then let's do that. And let's get these words of the Bible into our heads, into our hearts, and so that they are on the tips of our tongues. So that when we get that saboteur on our shoulder telling us a lie, or when somebody comes up against us, it's there. We don't have to think about it. It's there. And, it, and we know the truth in that situation. So we may have to put some, you know, we may have to practice, diligently practice in order to do that. But how worthwhile. The fourth thing is to relax. The Bible tells us that Jesus has overcome. 
Jesus has overcome evil. That we're now able to be that light in the darkness. That we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear because of what he's done. We don't need to be afraid. When we go into panic, our brain gets flooded with adrenaline and cortisol. We go into fight or flight. We can't think straight. And it all becomes a muddle and confused. So let's be confident in this and let's relax. Because we've done the work. We're in that. We're studying that living word of God. We know what the truths are that are contained in it. And we can relax because we know the battle's been won. The fifth thing is balance. Paul says in verse 13, stand your ground, stand firm. Keep your feet firmly rooted in the truths, in the truths contained in the word of God. Keep the armor on, keep the armor on. Truth, righteousness, faith, and salvation. And stand firm in those things. It's all there. It's all there for the taking. It's all there for you and for me. Keep it on. The sixth way that we can use this word of God is to have a strong defense. Protect yourself well. Um, last, last weekend, Paul had quite a stressful weekend with work, and I've asked him for permission to tell this story. Um, he was really stressed, really stressed about work, and um, it wasn't great. And he actually went into school on Monday morning, work, he's a teacher, he's not at school. He went into work on Monday morning, and he said, I was physically shaking when I went into work on Monday morning. That's not a great place to be. On Sunday, Daphne, she's featured, she's not even here, is she? She's, uh, Daphne had a word for Paul, uh, some scripture that she gave to him. I don't know that she knew why she was giving it to you, but she, she just felt that God had said to give Paul this, this sort of words of scripture. And then on Monday, as I dropped him off and I went off and walked the dog, uh, I did look at my Bible app when it said, it's now time for your da daily Bible reading. And it was a proverb that was absolutely spot on. And I, so I, I texted it to Paul. And at the end of the day, he said to me, do you know what? That really helped. That word that Daphne had and that proverb that you gave me, it got me through. And it gave me the confidence to, to get through that day and to know a little bit more about who I am and what I'm doing. And that is... The, the, that's the power of this word of God that we have at our disposal, isn't it? I'm sure that is not the only story in the room. I'm sure there are many more like that, where, where a, a word or a passage of scripture has just been absolutely spot on for you. And that's because this is the living word. It's God-breathed, yeah? And it's spirit-filled, and it's there for us. It's there for us to build us up and to help us do every good work. Seventhly, keep your weapon ready. This is about positioning of the sword. And I guess um, we could think here about what are the triggers? What are, the, what are our weak spots? What are the things that we know cause us difficulty? And how can we be prepared in those situations? How can we avoid those situations? How can we be sure that um, we are ready, that, that we don't put ourselves in a sort of compromising uh, situation there? For Paul, it was very clear that God used his weakness. His weakness wasn't a barrier to him being used. And that's really exciting. So whatever it is that you think, God, no, you can't use me because X, Y, and Z, or because I do this, or because I think that, that's not true. That's the saboteur. So get your head around that. Get into God's word and understand what he actually says about you and your weakness, because his grace is made perfect within that. 
It's made perfect within that. And do you know, I think one of the, one of the, uh, the hardest things, the, one of the ways that perhaps Satan tries to hold us back is this negativity, the, these thoughts that sit in our heads or on our, you know, on our shoulders that just hold us back, hold us back as a community, hold us back as, a, as individuals. And actually, do you know what? Jesus has said, I have come that you will have life and life in all its fullness. So we can start living with that assurance, living in that knowledge, and knowing that our weakness is made perfect in him. Finally then, remain calm and confident. Remain calm and confident. Cool warriors tend to make others wary, unsettled, and ideally fearful. We want to be cool warriors, not because we want to make other people wary and unsettled, but actually we, we want to be opposition, don't we, to the devil and his schemes and the stuff that holds us back to those negative thoughts and, and to the things that stop us from being the full expression uh, of, uh, of who God's created us to be and the things that stop us as a community here from making a difference in our community in a way that God wants us to. We don't want to be held back by those things because they're lies and they're paralyzing. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible that um, God first gave me when I was about 16 and I was going out on a mission in Bolton and it was really scary because I was from the country and I was on a mission in Bolton with Youth for Christ and it was like the big city and da 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 um, But God gave me this verse and it's just brilliant, isn't it? Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Yes, we're in a battle, but it's a battle that's been won. It's a battle that's been won. But it hasn't been won through brute, through force, through an abuse of power. It's been won through a triumph of grace. And that triumph of grace is lived out in each and every life that accepts Jesus, that says, yes, I understand what you've done for me. I want to live joined with you on this journey. I want to make a difference. I want to stand firm. And that triumph of grace continues. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So don't let the saboteur rob you of that truth this morning or any morning be armed with the sword of the spirit it's everything we need amen i'm going to pray i've just written a little prayer it's nothing um terribly special but the band if the band could just come up and i just want to pray this prayer over us all this morning do you know, it's so important that as a church, <laughs> you know, we've got something so brilliant. <laughs> we've got something so brilliant. And you take it into wherever you go from here on in. You take it with you. And it transforms lives. God's spirit transforms lives. And it doesn't mean everything's going to be okay. But what it does mean is that people live lives of hope and with a sense of having a future. So as I'm going to pray this prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. 
and ask you to pray this prayer with me. But I'll, I'll, I'll say it if you close your eyes or whatever. May your swords be drawn, ready and in position. May our feet not be stuck in the mud, but standing firm. May our attitudes be that we have each other's backs. May we be confident and relaxed. And may we know God's life-giving spirit at work in our lives each and every day through the knowledge of his word, foiling the lies and helping us grow into the fullness of the person he has called us to be. That we might be his servants, able to do all good works through his grace. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.